Good morning, TCC. Hi, I'm Jesse Jacob, and these are my children, Joanna and Jeffrey. We've been attending TCC for about a year. Uh, our scripture reading for today is from Acts 28, 23 to 31. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God, and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced but by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The word of the Lord. Awesome. Thank you for reading that. Good morning. It's, uh, I'm, well, let's back up. I'm Steve. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at TCC, and it is an honor and a privilege again to be worshiping with you and gathering together, sharing from my heart a little bit of what the, the Lord's been placing on my heart over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and yeah, I get to wrap up the whole summer sermon series. So my whole time here at TCC, we've been preaching from Acts, this startup series. So I am in the dark as to what happens next. This is all I know. <laughs> but legend tells of an old man with gray hair and a and a long flowing robe who once approached a young man who is enjoying some sun on his porch. And, uh, and he comes up to him and he says, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. And the young man looked at him with a wrinkled brow and he says, an adventure? No, I don't imagine anyone west of Bree would have much interest in an adventure. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, for the other 246 of you, I'm talking about The Hobbit. The, the classic tale turned into a blockbuster smash hit. But uh, yeah, so here we go. Bilbo Baggins, although he met that initial invitation with a bit of apprehension, he later decided that he did in fact want to go on an adventure. And he ran to catch up and join Gandalf, Thorin Oakenshield, cool name, right? Dwaylin, Balin, Killy, Philly, Dory, Nori, Oin, Gloin, Bifer, Bofer, and Bomber in their quest. I, I love the looks that I'm getting right now. What is this guy talking about? Let's transition a little bit. Have you ever received an invitation? 
Maybe you opened a letter in the mail and it was simply, you're staring at uh, a wedding invitation from, uh, from a, an old friend or a family member. Well, maybe you received a simple birthday invite through an evite in person, through a Facebook event. Maybe someone personally invited you to something. Something simple or something a lot more intense. Maybe an adventure. Perhaps running a full marathon. I don't know who would ever want to do that. (laughs) Perhaps a trip across Europe, which I'm told is where Pastor Norb is right now. Uh, Perhaps a sun-based vacation to Tahiti. Now I know who would like to do that. Me. Uh, Maybe a missions trip. But ultimately, we often need an invitation to, to do anything out of the ordinary rhythm of life. You know, we most certainly need an invitation in most cases to do something like go on an adventure. But when an invitation is extended our way, it, it causes us to stop and think, you know, what would that be like? It causes us to pause and consider something that we may not have considered before that exact moment. So this morning, as we look at the the, the last chunk of Acts uh, and conclude this summer sermon series, I want us to notice the invitation within them and ultimately within the, the entire account of the early church, really what we've been talking about all summer. Now today we're looking at the final seven chapters of Acts, 21 to 28. So uh, there's no brunch today, unfortunately. I hope you packed a lunch because we're going to be here all afternoon. (laughs) But, you know, God has invitations for your life. And as we look at the life of Paul in these last chapters of Acts, we get another glimpse of what God invited him to and then also what God now invites us to. You know, not dissimilar to the invitation that Gandalf extended to Bilbo, it's an invitation to something out of the ordinary, something that pulls you from your daily routine, your everyday life. And I want to look specifically at three invitations that we can pull from the text. And there are three invitations that we talk a lot about here at TCC as they are a part of our mission, part of our vision as a church. So firstly, it's the invitation to know Jesus. You know, Jesus intersects our lives when we're not expecting him. Thinking back, I had the privilege a number of weeks ago back in July to to look at and speak on the life of Paul and his, his dramatic conversion while he's chasing Christians down. And I'm kind of circling back to that now. But Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus and his life was changed. And I want you to think about, take a minute, maybe close your eyes, reminisce. Think about when you encountered Jesus for the first time. What did that look like? What did it do to your life? And were you expecting him? And maybe you find yourself here in person watching online and you haven't come to know Jesus. You haven't had that encounter and you're wondering what this is all about. But this invitation to know Jesus comes for the first time And then you have that experience, and then it comes every time, every day thereafter. We constantly have an invitation to know Jesus. You know, and looking at Paul again, 
he hears God's call, he receives that invitation, and he accepts it. And here now in Acts chapter 22, and again in Acts chapter 26, he has an opportunity to share of that experience that I spoke on weeks ago uh, that actually happens back in chapter 8. But he shares with a couple different groups of people that intense experience he has on the road to Damascus and what that did to his life, what that encounter with Jesus was like. And I want to point to the certainty with which he speaks to that at this point. You know, it's something that's developed over time. He was very uncertain as to what was happening when, when, when it first took place. But now here, as we read through the last few chapters of Acts, he speaks with this certainty of what of who Jesus is and what he has done. And I think of Acts 24, verses 14 to 21. He addresses both the Jews and the Romans. He testifies to the resurrection of Jesus, and he speaks confidently. And ultimately, it was his pursuit of truth that led him to Jesus. You know, after he encountered Jesus on the road, it was unexpected. It was inconvenient. He, uh, you know, he was pursuing Christians to eradicate them. He did not want to meet Jesus, and he did. But after that experience, what he did with that is he went back to his pursuit of truth, his study of the scripture, his study of Jewish law. And he came to the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the hope of the resurrection. He was the embodiment of what he had believed since his youth. You know, it was the truth. As inconvenient as it was for him, it was the truth. And in John 14, Jesus tells us that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And Paul experienced that way, that truth, that life. The life that comes only through Jesus. And he spoke with intense confidence in that to anyone who would listen. So how do we continue to know Jesus? Thinking about that now, how do we get from the initial encounter that we have with Jesus to confident like Paul? You know, there are moments, moments of waiting, moments of uncertainty. Life comes along and things come at you. The difference after you encounter Jesus is that's done with Jesus. So when we think about these moments in life, these experiences, this journey is now with Jesus. And thinking about this final period in Acts that Luke writes for us, the, the, whole, the whole time, this encompasses years of Paul's life, these last seven chapters. But he's either in prison, he is being transferred from one prison to another prison, or he's under house arrest in a best-case scenario the entire time. And yet, during this period, he takes a lot of his time to write various letters, to encourage the churches that he's planted, to encourage his brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. You know, I think about the church uh, in Philippi that he wrote a letter to, exhorting them to experience the joy that comes through Jesus, the joy that comes during that journey after you've accepted the invitation to be with Jesus. And he does all of that despite the fact that he's in prison for doing nothing wrong. You know, constantly throughout this, again, he, he proclaims his defense. 
And the Romans keep saying, I can't find anything wrong with this man. There's no reason he should be in prison. But the Jews continue to, to try and get rid of him. They try and kill him. So they keep him in prison, half for his own safety, more than anything. But, you know, he's in prison. And he, had, he doesn't need to be there, but he is. And yet he writes and talks and encourages people to be with Jesus. So thinking now, like, the amount of time that Paul would have spent just sitting, alone, unsure of what was going to happen next, would have been incredible. I don't know how much time it was. Years of his life, large portions of those years, I'm sure he was stuck, unsure of what was about to take place the next day, the next morning. But I want to pause for a minute. I want to throw a little plug in here for something, again, that we talk about a lot at TCC, silence and solitude. You know, it's a, it's a spiritual practice. It's one that we discuss as a great way to grow closer to Jesus. But just imagine, yeah, the amount of silence and solitude that Paul would have had to endure during this time. Yet he communed with Jesus. He spent that time growing closer to Jesus, knowing Jesus more, and encouraging others to do the same as he wrote letters. So I want to talk a little bit about the days of silence that we facilitate here at the church. You know, I'm going to back up. My first month here at the church, I, I sit down around the staff table. We're having our meeting, and they tell me that once a month, we as staff head off to this retreat center for a day where we don't speak, put all of our technology away, and just spend time alone. And I thought, that sounds terrible. But what has actually transpired as I've gone on these days of silence is incredible. It's the opposite of terrible. It, uh, it's been crazy to see the way that, that Jesus will connect with me on an individual basis as I spend time just totally unplugged and, uh, and diving into what, what life with Jesus looks like. But we do that once a month as staff. And then two days later on the Saturday... We, have, we facilitate and facilitates an opportunity for you to do the same. Head out to the old nunnery, converted into a retreat center in St. Albert, and enjoy a day of no phones, hanging out in silence and solitude. But spending that uninterrupted time with Jesus allows us to know him more. And it's something that I would encourage all of you to do, whether you take the opportunity to go to the retreat center or whether you do it at home or, or whatever you do. Just pull back from the daily life, pull back from the distraction, put away your, your phones, your tablets, your computers, and spend that uninterrupted time with Jesus. Which brings us to the second invitation, the invitation to walk with Jesus. The invitation to walk with Jesus. You know, all, through, all throughout his life, right from the moment that he encounters Jesus on the road until the end of his time, Paul follows God's plan and direction. In Acts chapter 27, we, uh, we get a lengthy account uh, of Paul's journey as he is being sent to Rome, still in prison, but he's being sent to Rome because he's appealed to Caesar to try and get away from the Jews and prove that he's innocent and doesn't need to be in prison any longer. So in Acts 27, we get this account where Luke's joined him and they're sailing and it's not a joyride. But Paul, you know, walking with Jesus, he continues to commune with him and understand the truth. He knows he's been told he's to go and, and speak that same truth of Jesus in Rome. 
He knows he's going to get there. He believes that's the truth. But in 27 verse 10, he comes and talks to the ship captain and, and the Roman that's in charge overseeing his, his travel. And he's, he says, I perceive the voyage will be with injury and much loss. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's winter time there. The, the weather's terrible. It's not a great time to be sailing. And he says, I don't think we should sail. It's a bad idea. They, uh, they choose instead to sail anyway, and they have a bad time. But Paul embodies, he continues to embody the idea of walking with Jesus throughout this entire narrative. As even during these traumatic moments on the ship, they've decided to sail, they're swept away at sea, it looks like the ship's going down. Sailors are throwing cargo overboard. Absolute chaos surrounds them. And he does not question at all that Jesus is present with him. He doesn't question at all that what he had been told was true. He's going to make it. Everyone is going to make it that's on board the ship. They'll arrive safely, and he will be able to speak to the truth of Jesus in Rome. But, like, realistically, how, how does Paul do that? And what can we learn from his experience? How does he have that confidence in the truth? And first, simply prayer. You know, Paul frequently mentions throughout this narrative, throughout the letters that he writes to the churches, constantly mentions that he's heard from the Lord. And you know he's spending copious amounts of time in prayer. You know, all that time that he spends in silence and solitude, he's got an opportunity to, to speak with, with Jesus, to speak with God, to lay his cares at his feet and to hear the truth. And... You know, his life is literally, literally threatened at almost every turn, and yet he continues to have this confidence. He continues to commune with Jesus. And when we spend time in silence and solitude, you know, we get the opportunity to hear from the Lord. We get the opportunity to speak with him. But it's not just in the moments of silence and solitude that we have that opportunity. It's an ongoing thing. It's something that Paul did even in the midst of chaos. You know, as the ship's being destroyed under his very feet, he is still communing with Jesus. He's still spending time in prayer and hearing from the Lord. And that's available to us as well. No matter how tumultuous our life is, no matter what's transpiring, we can bring our concerns before the Lord. And secondly, the idea of community. You know, Paul constantly has people around him. Outside of the, the periods of time where he's stuck alone and in prison and he has to be solitary, he has people around him. He's got traveling companions on his, on his various missions trips. He's got traveling companions now being transported from prison to prison. And every time when they stop, he has brothers and sisters in Christ who host him, bring him into their home, feed him. They care for him. They pray for him. And they care and pray for those that are with him. There's this community aspect. That's something that I have experienced personally many times throughout my life, both at the beginning of my journey with Jesus and later on now in my life, where these intentional groups of individuals are, are surrounding me. I have, the, I have this community, these people who I can reach out to and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm having a bad time. And we can go grab a coffee, have a phone call, chat through that 
or the highs of life when it's super encouraging and you get a chance to celebrate with others, share meals, share a table. It's very powerful what can come out of community. And I've seen some of the most growth in myself and in others in our walk with Jesus in the context of community. I want to think back even, I know he's not a real person, but think, think about Bilbo. You know, he wasn't asked to carry on through his arduous journey alone. He was asked to do so in the context of community. And it was in a community that he didn't even like. The, uh, he didn't like the dwarves. They didn't like him. But they grew to become brothers in the midst of this journey. And that's something as well that I didn't understand earlier in my life that I do now, is that the idea of community, this concept of walking with others and in journeying with others, isn't simply a couple of my best friends, and I just go grab wings, talk about normal life. It's, it's my best friends and a whole host of other people who I, I may not consider friends, who we may not consider friends, but who we grow to be family with. No matter differences, no matter what that looks like, we have the shared life with Jesus. And that community is incredibly powerful. Which brings me to the third invitation. The invitation to share Jesus. You know, a testimony is a powerful thing. And Paul shares his a couple times throughout here, and I'll get to that in a minute. But the idea of testimony, we often in the church think of as the moment that I came to know Jesus and that's your testimony is like what was my life before and what was my life after and that's what I often thought of as well and I think not not a good idea but I often took pride in the fact that I had a cool testimony where I had this life without Jesus and then I have this life with Jesus and look how amazing that turnaround is and that's what I want to talk about But that's not the only thing that testimony is. And I've often had throughout my life, you know, young adults, youth, different people come up to me and say, I have a really boring testimony. You know, I've known Jesus my whole life, and I don't have much to talk about. And I often tell them that if I had the opportunity to go back, I would wish that I would have that same testimony. And that's what I wish for my kids that they would have the testimony where they meet Jesus early in life and they walk with him throughout their entire life. But the testimony is not simply that conversion experience. It's what Jesus continues to do day after day throughout your life. And that's what Paul does in two kind of, two different ways. First, again, in Acts 22 and in Acts 26, he has the opportunity to share with new groups of people that dramatic conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And he lays that out for them. He's very confident in the fact that Jesus is the Christ. And that's, you know, we have that opportunity as well. Whether we feel it's boring or not, we have the opportunity to share what Jesus has done for you, when you met Jesus, and what that looked like. Was it unexpected? You know, what, what did that look like? Just talk about it. But secondly, we have the opportunity to show what Jesus has done. You know, Paul, he shares his current testimony, as I've mentioned, but he also shares the testimony of what Jesus is doing 
throughout the rest of his journey, throughout the rest of his life. In Acts 23, 1 to 11, he's got Ananias, the high priest, accusing him. The Jews are trying to get him handed over from the Romans so that they can kill him. And he is laying out everything that he's done and how he has lived his life with a clear conscience. He knows that he's done nothing wrong and he's confident in the truth. And he shares that. He shows that. And again, in 24, 10 to 21, he's being accused of defiling the temple and doing all this other stuff. And he knows that's not true. And he lays that out, says, you can't prove that. I've lived my life according to the truth. And he showcases what Jesus is doing at each moment of his life, not just back at the beginning, but now. You know, and Paul had the confidence to say that what Jesus said was true, and he stuck with it. No matter the circumstances he found himself in, he continued to give testimony to what was taking place at that time. You know, and again, thinking of the shipwreck, Luke writes for us that he's also a part of this group that's on the ship, but there are 276 persons on board the ship that's being destroyed on the way to Rome. And in that context, in the chaos, he continues to share the truth that he's heard from Jesus with all 276 of those people. And that's what we have an opportunity to do now as well, is show that Jesus has changed our life. Now, there, there will be evidence, there will be things that come up, there will be things that we can discuss to show that Jesus has changed our life, that Jesus has, has turned things around in one way or another. And we can share that testimony of the day by day as we walk through life with others. But in that context, as we're sharing and showing what Jesus has done, we leave the outcome to the Lord. You know, in, in Acts 28, 25 to 28, which was part of what was read for us earlier, the Jews aren't listening, but the Gentiles will. You know, the Lord, his, his word and his truth will, will go to those who will hear. In John 16, 8, we're reminded the Holy Spirit convicts. We simply need to trust that Jesus will encounter others the same way he has encountered us. It's the Holy Spirit who changes hearts, not us. You know, we pray, we spend that time communing with Jesus, we give testimony to the truth, both what happened initially, our conversion, and both what takes place throughout our life. We give testimony to what Jesus continues to do, and then we leave the rest to him. So, for us now today, I mean, what does that mean? Sometimes it's easy to look back and say, yeah, look at all this cool stuff that happened, but in my current circumstance, it doesn't look like that. But reality, God invites each of us to this unexpected journey. He invites us to more. You know, he has a plan. He has been working through that plan since the beginning of time, since creation. But thinking of Paul, Paul was, was faithful to the Lord's call. And he was in the places where God wanted him to be, even when it seemed impossible or hopeless. He believed that what was spoken to him was the truth, and he ran with that. He sought the truth, and he continued to seek the truth. You know, thinking again of Bilbo, he remained faithful to that group and stayed the course even when it seemed hopeless, even when a fire-breathing dragon stood in their way. 
But when we think about our life, when we're faithful to the Lord's call, faithful to continuing to walk after accepting that invitation, we will be in the place that God wants us to be. Because God has designed us for this journey, and he will equip us for it. Paul, again, not only did he seek the truth and did he walk through that, but as he was placed in these different circumstances, you know, he often didn't choose to be where he was, and sometimes he did. But everywhere that he went, he... He fell back at times on his experience, his education, and his skills. He was equipped for the journey that he was on, the situations that he found himself in. Thinking through this narrative that I'm, that I'm talking about today, you know, Acts 21 to 28, there's periods, you know, he speaks Greek to the tribune when he first gets erect, uh, arrested because he knows that he speaks Greek. He speaks Hebrew to the Jews to connect with them. He's educated as a and when he has the opportunity to connect with the Pharisees, he appeals to their knowledge of the scriptures. He knows that. He understood Roman law. He appeals to his rights as a citizen of Rome and thus ends up heading to Rome because he appeals to Caesar. But he knows all of that. He's been educated. He has experience and he leans on that. You know, your education, your experience, your skills will come in surprisingly handy at, at what seems like random times in your life. I think of my experience as I step into this role at TCC. There's so much throughout my life that I assumed was wasted time, experiences or skills that I would never think about again or use again. And God's got a sense of humor in the way that he makes all of that useful. There are things that that I've used in the context uh, of church that, uh, and in the context of stepping into ministry that seem like they wouldn't help, and they have. So it's this idea that, you know, God, he has this journey for us, and he will equip us and has equipped us as we walk through that. He will use all of who we are to reveal the truth to others. We simply need to trust that that will take place. So the invitation is there, but will we accept the invitation? You know, thinking again, of Bilbo, he accepted an unexpected invitation. It came at an inconvenient time when he was enjoying the sun. But he left the Shire, and his life was enriched and changed dramatically because of it. You're thinking of Paul as he is inconveniently struck down on the road to Damascus. He, he accepts that unexpected invitation. He leaves the life that he studied and trained for and exchanged it for one of turmoil, yet his life was enriched and changed dramatically because of it. And Jesus meets us and extends an unexpected invitation, an invitation to leave the comfort of the ordinary, but he promises as well that our lives will be enriched and changed dramatically because of it, both now and for eternity. You know, and maybe that never takes us outside of Edmonton. Maybe we don't battle fire-breathing dragons or dive off of ships being shattered in the sea. But maybe we do. I want to invite the, the worship team to come back and join me up here. But, you know, all summer, as we've walked through the book of Acts, 
We've seen individuals who encountered Jesus and whose lives were changed. You know, it was not always easy for them. It wasn't always fun. And no one says it'll be easy or fun all the time for us either. But I can promise you that nothing, nothing in life will ever exhilarate or empower us as much as embarking on the unexpected journey that we are invited to when we encounter Jesus. You know, and as we accept that invitation and we walk through that new life, we will experience the, the assurance of salvation through Jesus. We'll experience the calm, quiet, yet strong voice of God through the Spirit living in us. And we'll experience the excitement of stepping out in faith and the joy of real, authentic community along the way. And I want to leave you guys with this reminder from 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. I love the way Eugene Peterson writes about this in the message. He says, God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son, Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that.